listening to the Shut the Fork Up podcast with your host and your fat positive big sister, Destiny Murtaugh. Join us for your weekly dose of unhinged FaceTime energy with your bestie, where we talk about literally forking everything. Let's go, bitches. Welcome back, my forking bitches, to another episode of Shut the Fork Up. And today we are going to be talking about something a little bit heavy. So I just want to give kind of a trigger warning right here at the beginning. I mean, the title says it as well, but just to kind of, you know, protect your space for the day. I don't want you to just be feeling sad or whatever all day long because you listen to this episode. But um, we're going to be talking about grief today, grief and death in the family and processing all of that. And so if that's just not your thing right now, maybe you've recently lost a loved one and it's just too soon, you can bookmark this episode and come back to it at a later date. But if you, you know, maybe have lost someone recently or you lost someone a long time ago and you're still struggling to deal with your grief, then maybe this episode is for you. It wasn't something that I was planning on making, but reality is just kind of settling in for me this week and I have a lot of feelings and I know that I'm not going to be alone in those feelings and I know that grief is like this really weird construct that everyone appears to view differently. I just, I want to talk about it. So a little bit of backstory, if you aren't aware, I lost my papa two weeks ago now, maybe three weeks ago. Um, And his celebration of life is this coming Saturday on October 28th. So like two days from when you're hearing this episode. And I think that's why things are starting to settle in a little bit more than they have been for the past couple of weeks. I feel like I've been in this like blissful ignorance where it doesn't really feel real because we haven't had any kind of send off. We haven't had any kind of funeral. There's been no closure at this point. Um, So I think in the next couple of days, it's really going to start hitting me and it's going to become very real. And I've just been living kind of on borrowed time for my grief. Not to say that I haven't been having any kind of feelings or that it hasn't affected me at all up until this point, but Saturday is when things are going to become very, very real very, very quickly. So I thought, why not get a jump start on that and talk about it in this episode and just get some of my feelings out there and create this safe little space on this corner of the internet where we can all collectively join in our grief and maybe start to find a way through it. My papa, his death was unexpected. Um, He had catastrophic heart failure and he died at home surrounded by his two kids, my dad and my aunt and his wife. It was a very traumatic experience in that no one really got to say goodbye. Like it happened so fast. And I don't want to really get into like the whole nitty gritty, like the specifics of it, partly because I might just start crying and partly because I want to respect the family and their privacy um, and not get into it too much. But essentially, he had a massive heart attack um, and he was gone instantly, um, which, you know, brings some level of peace knowing that it happened very quickly And he had been in a lot of pain for unrelated reasons. I mean, he was just getting old. He had recently fallen, so he was in quite a bit of pain from that. And his memory was going like he he's in he's at peace now, 
which I guess is all that we can hope for. I think this loss has touched me differently than any other because it's the first time that grief has touched my immediate family. He was the first grandparent that I've ever lost. I have been so, so fortunate up until now to have all four of my grandparents. I know how lucky I am. And part of that is because my mom had me when she was so young. So my mom, like my parents and my grandparents, even my great grandparents by extension are all a lot younger than most people my age. My, I don't want to say first big loss because they're all big losses and they all hurt in their own ways. But he was my first like immediate family member death. If you've been here for a while, you know that I lost my cousin a few years ago to suicide. And that has been a super traumatic thing for me. I, you know, it's something that I've talked about a lot and grieving him has been incredibly fucking hard and it has been a huge uphill battle but my papa feels different in a lot of ways. And I think part of that is because, you know, as much as I loved my cousin and his grief has impacted me, he was my extended family. Like he wasn't someone that I saw like, you know, every weekend. Um, and that is like at Christmases and birthdays and everything. Cause he didn't live very close to us and we didn't see extended family except for on like big holidays and stuff. So it's just, it's different when it's, someone that close to you you know I feel like your your siblings your parents your grandparents are kind of like your core immediate family at least in my family um you know always there on like Christmases birthdays Easter Thanksgiving all the things so it's been a hard it's been a really hard thing to process and part of why I wanted to do this episode is because I feel like the process for grieving is so different for everyone is so different like grief in itself I feel like is a universal experience like we all experience grief and we all experience loss but the way that we do that is so individual it is so different for everyone and I feel like in our productivity culture capitalist society it is not easy to grieve to just kind of give you like um, like a snapshot, like my aunt is very, very lucky that she has worked where she's worked for a very long time and she's very, very close with her managers and her other, you know, team members. And she was very fortunate to be given two weeks off um, before she had to, to head back into work. Whereas my dad, um, he was back to work that week. <laughs> and that is just so crazy to me. Like, I remember my mom said that my aunt would be going back to work and I was like, she just lost her dad. Like, what? And like the, um, the like employment standard, I guess, is like, like three or four days for the loss of like a parent. Three or four days for the loss of someone who has been with you your entire life is crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Like our society and our work culture puts an expiration date on grief, but that's just not the reality. Like the reality is that grief is, it's constant. The way that it presents itself and the way that it feels might change, but it's always there in some capacity. And to just expect someone to be okay with losing their dad in like three days is so fucking crazy. 
I just want to say, if you are dealing with grief or if you've lost a grandparent, a parent, a sibling, someone super close to you, I see you and I recognize your grief. And I'm really sorry that you're dealing with that because I know how much grief sucks and how all-encompassing it can be and how it can feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But I'm here to tell you that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I thought I would start this episode with an analogy that I saw years ago and it has stuck with me ever since. It is an analogy that I've used with students. It's an analogy that I've used with my siblings to try to help them process their grief and understand what that looks like. We all know that grief is it's it's a long process, but at the at its core it is a process. You know, there are the stages. The analogy that I really love is called the ball in the box. And it was originally like a Twitter thread by a psychologist named Lauren Herschel. And she tweeted it in 2017, so quite a few years ago now. So I want you to envision you have like an eight by five, sorry, you have an eight point five by eleven, like standard blank piece of paper in front of you, right? I want you to draw a box, like a big box, takes up most of the page. And then on the left-hand side, about halfway down, I want you to draw a rectangle um, coming off of like that line so that the line of your box is like the fourth line of the rectangle. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like a button, essentially, like you're drawing like a little red button on the inside of your box. And then you're going to draw a big circle that fills almost the entire box, but it's not touching any of the walls and it's not touching the button. So Lauren says, in the beginning, the ball is huge. You can't move the box without the ball hitting the pain button. It rattles around on its own in there and it hits the button over and over and over again. You can't control it. It just keeps hurting and sometimes it is unrelenting. So if you're picturing this ball, you know, in this box and you're shaking this box, like it's just going to keep hitting that button. There's just not enough room for it to move without hitting it. And then she says, over time, the ball gets smaller. It hits the button less and less, you know, because it has more room now to bounce around. It's not always going to hit the button. So it hits the button less and less. But when it does, it hurts just as much. It's better because you can function day to day more easily But the downside is that the ball randomly hits that button when you least expect it. I love this analogy. And when this episode goes out, I'm definitely going to put some variation of this on our Instagram so you can really see it if you're having trouble just visualizing it right now. But I love it because it is so, it is so true. It is so true. In the beginning, grief is immense. It is all encompassing. It is unrelenting. It, you know, that in that ball inside of you just keeps hitting that fucking red button. No matter what you do day in, day out, it just hurts. And then slowly over time, you know, you'll, you'll be doing fine. You'll be at a friend's house and you'll be perfectly fine and laughing and doing whatever. And then a song will come on the radio And it's a song that you always used to listen to with them or dance around with them, or you have some kind of memory attached to that song that is attached to that person. And suddenly that ball is hitting your pain button and you're just overcome with emotion. And that grief is suddenly so strong. 
even though you thought that you were over it, it's been months, it's been years, whatever it is, it hit that fucking button. And now you were having like an immense wave of grief. And it is so true. (laughs) I can say from experience, you know, in thinking about my cousin specifically, it's been, God, what has it been? Like five years now, I think. I think this July will be five or six years, which is, which is crazy in and of itself. I will be totally fine. And then I will see a bottle of fucking ketchup and I'll lose it because he put ketchup on everything. So now that is just something that I correlate with him and it can easily be a trigger for my grief. When I went to university, the school that he had gone to was on the same campus. The university and the college were like intertwined. And I remember it had been like two months since he had passed and I had to go back to school and I was physically incapable of walking through the one set of doors because it was like the college entrance, even though it was one that everyone used for both schools. And I could not make myself walk down that hallway because it just felt so immense. And like, as soon as I opened those doors, it was going to be like a floodgate opening for grief. And I was going to be acknowledging that, you know, he had walked this hall and he had been here. And that was that stupid fucking ball. Like I had been fine. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh God, that hurts. And I love that analogy for that. I think it makes it very easy to visualize the grief process. Um, And I think it's important to remember that grief is not one emotion. It's many different emotions. And sometimes it's multiple emotions all at once. It can be anger or shock or numbness or exhaustion. It could be relief or regret or feeling guilty or shame It has many different faces and it's never going to look exactly the same for everyone. And it is quite hard at times. It really is a roller coaster. You could be feeling so good one moment and then have a moment where all of your emotions just come spilling out. It is a constant up and down. Feelings will go up and down, you know, because everything comes in waves. Like I said, the smallest thing can set you off and suddenly you're feeling all of those emotions. So how do we survive the aftermath? How do we navigate our grief when the rest of the world just keeps moving forward like nothing happened? Like I said, you know, like my dad was back to work within like four days. My aunt went back after two weeks. The expected time is like four days, depending on like where you work, like everywhere is going to have different mandates and stuff, obviously. But at the end of the day, like you are expected at some point to return to work, to return to life, to have an expiration date on your grief. And that, like I said, is just not the reality. Um, The reality is the world moves on and you know, things keep moving, changes keep happening, jobs, you know, come and go, friends have birthdays and Christmases and holidays come and go and everything moves on. But it's okay for you to grieve. It's okay for you not to move on that rapidly. And I think the really, really important thing to remember here is that there is no expiration date on grief. As much as society and work culture tries to tell you that there is, maybe not like explicitly, but implicitly through like their practices and, you know, their rules and regulations toward paid time off or time off for 
grieving and the loss of loved ones and whatnot. The outside world might make you think that there is a timeline for your grief and that there is an expiration date, but there's not. We need to remember that everyone experiences grief differently, right? Like there's no one way to grieve. My mom and I, big ugly criers. Like we will sob so hard that we'll get dizzy and we're going to feel like we're going to throw up. And then there's my dad who just doesn't cry. Like he doesn't process big emotions the same way that me and my mom do. He's very closed off in that regard and he processes it in his own way. And to an outsider, it might look like he doesn't care or he's done grieving or he's fine. He's not. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you might look at me or my mom and be like, oh, well, they're not crying. Like, you know, they're going to work, they're going to school, they're posting content, um, they're making TikToks, like they're fine. Their grieving process is over. And that's just not the case. Like we said, everything is in waves and you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. Hell, you're going to have good mornings and then you're going to have a bad afternoon or vice versa. It's just, it's such a process. And I just really, really, really want to stress that the process looks different for everyone. The timeline looks different for everyone. The stages look different for everyone. But there is never an expiration date. It could be 30 years from now. And if we go back to that idea of the ball in the box, right? It's going to be 30 years from now. Maybe that ball hasn't hit that pain button in years. Maybe you've been coasting through... And you know, you haven't had a huge surge of grief. And then suddenly out of nowhere, it hits you, right? Like you're never going to stop grieving. It's just going to shift. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. But those big emotions are still going to hit you here and there. And that's okay. That's part of the process. If we think about the stages of grief, like I kind of quickly mentioned, you know, there are what? There's five of them. It's like anger acceptance, bargaining, something, something, something. The main idea is that everyone goes through those five stages of grief, but I think we've been always led to believe that it's a linear timeline, that it's a linear experience, and you're going to go through stage by stage in the order that they're written out, but that's just not the case. You know, sure, for some people, you might, you know, start at stage one, which is like, I think it's anger, Um, and then move into like denial and then so on and so forth until you get to acceptance. But the reality is that is not going to be the same for everyone. They could have it in a totally different order than you do, which is going to make your grief look different, but that doesn't invalidate it in any way. So easy to look at someone and just assume that they're okay. Grief sometimes is invisible. It's not always going to be screaming and crying and throwing things or breaking things and having big outward swells, very visible things of emotion. It's not always going to be that. Not taking care of yourself. It could be not eating properly. It could be not, it could be laying in your bed rotting away every single day watching Netflix for like a month straight because you just can't get out of bed. But if you live alone and you work from home, how are they going to know that? It's not always a super visible, like my dad, like it's sometimes it's very personal. It's very private and you wouldn't know if you didn't ask. Some people are very open with their grief and that they've lost someone. And some people like you could be working at a corporate job and not even know that Susie working four computers down from you, just lost someone super important to her. Everyone 
goes through grief differently. Some people, you know, like my dad, are going to go back to work in like two or three days and they just need that. They need the time away to process. They need to keep their hands and their minds busy. And other people are going to live in their grief for a little while. And that's also okay. It is okay to not be okay. I feel like we put this stress on people right after they've lost someone to, you know, be strong and to not show emotion and to get through things very quickly. And that's just so stupid. (laughs) Like, who are you being strong for? Because at the end of the day, I can guarantee you it's going to hit. And it might even hit harder because you haven't allowed yourself to feel those feelings. When my papa passed away, we were all at my Nana's house. My dad and my aunt had gone with him in the ambulance. My mom, me, and my Nana were at my Nana's house trying to keep her calm because she obviously was freaking out. I just remember like my dad coming in and telling us that he was gone and I just sat there. And you know, I think I cried a little bit, but I sat there and I was like, okay, you can't cry. You have to hold it in. Like you have to pull yourself together for Nana. You need to keep everything bottled up so that she can let out her emotions and we can be there for her. And in some ways, that's great. You know, that you're able to rally and be there for someone who needs that support. But at the same time, you need to take care of yourself as well. Like, yes, she lost her husband, but my dad lost his dad. My aunt lost her dad. My mom lost her father-in-law. I lost my papa, my grandparent. We are all allowed to grieve. There is no hierarchy on grief, just like there's no timeline on grief. And I think sometimes this notion of being strong in the face of grief does more harm than it does good because it's not good to bottle up those emotions. Like you need to let them out because if you don't let them out, they're just going to bottle up and they're going to swell and they're going to swell and they're going to swell until one day they come out in a way that you're not going to appreciate. You are better off to deal with it in small increments as it's happening rather than bottling it all up and experiencing it all at once. So I struggle with that as a people pleaser. I always want to turn off my own feelings for the sake of others. And I am so fortunate to have specifically one friend. Um, My friend Morgan is probably listening to this at some point. I am so thankful that I have her in my life and that she knows me so well. Um, because right after everything happened, she made it a point to be like, okay, I know you're taking care of everyone else and you're putting everything on hold to deal with them, but how are you? Like, what do you need me to do to help you get through this? Because I know that that's not your priority right now. You're focusing on everyone else and trying to make them happy and bending over backwards to help them cater their grief and work through their grief. But who's helping you? And are you helping yourself work through that? And obviously I was not, but I'm I'm fortunate to have a friend who knew me enough to know that I needed her to step in and to say something and to just check in with me and make sure that I was also taking care of myself because I do have a very bad habit of, you know, letting myself fall for the sake of trying to lift up other people, which is not great. And it's something that I'm trying to work on, but it's also something that I've been doing for most of my life. So it's not 
something that I'm just going to magically be able to fix in a day or two. But my main point is that you don't have to be strong. In fact, I would argue that sometimes the most strength that you can have is being strong enough to break down and to let go and to feel the emotions and to process the emotions and to be loud with your grief. I think it's actually a lot easier to hold things in and to be in denial and to try to just move on quickly and be strong for everyone around you and to look strong to the people looking in. But I think there's more strength in being able to let go and to feel the emotions and to process and to start that journey. So if you take anything away from this episode, I mean, I know that it's pretty short and it's kind of all over the place, but if you take anything, please let it be that you are allowed to grieve But more importantly, you are allowed to grieve on your own timeline. And that is a timeline without an expiration date. You are allowed to be a mess. You are allowed to cry. You are allowed to sob. You are allowed to lie in your bed for a week, eating ice cream and watching Netflix and just sobbing your heart out. Not everyone is a crier. That is not how everyone deals with their grief. You are allowed to grieve in the way that you grieve. You are allowed to grieve, whatever that looks like, however long it takes. And it's also okay to ask for help. I don't think we talk about the help that you can get when you're grieving enough. I think we talk about it a lot in the terms of like physical and even mental health. I didn't even know. My sister has been taking my papa's death, my papa's death pretty hard. Um, she recommended like a child grief program thing run out of a local hospital. I didn't even know that was a thing, but that's fucking amazing. And that'll give her an outlet to go somewhere with a professional. And I think it's a group. So with other people who are also experiencing grief, and that'll give her a healthy place to start to navigate that process, especially since she's only 11. Um, And again, this is our first like immediate family death that she is going to be experiencing, that she's going to be trying to work through. And just let that be your reminder that there are programs out there. There are therapists. There are a lot of different tools and places and people that you can turn to if you need extra support in dealing with your grief. Grief is something that we don't talk about enough in society in terms of like coping mechanisms and the process and the ups and the downs of it. There's this idea of needing to be strong and just kind of moving on and getting over it. And sometimes you just got to go through it. Sometimes you need to do that with a little bit of extra help from professionals. You are not doing something wrong if if it's been two years and you're still grieving, if it's been 20 years and you're still grieving you're not doing anything wrong. It's just part of life. It's part of the process and it fucking sucks. But unfortunately, you know, death is inevitable and it's part of being human. But that doesn't mean that it's not hard and that it can't be all encompassing and that it can't be, you know, something that you struggle with for the rest of your life or a very, very long time. Having a support system that you can lean on when you're grieving is so important. Like, please do not go through your grief alone, whether it's a family member, a friend, a psychologist, an acquaintance, someone that you talk to online, like a YouTube friend, or 
whatever, like reach out to someone, have someone in your corner who can check in on you. I think a lot of people when they're grieving shut out their support system and they just want to feel everything on their own or they don't know how to feel everything. They don't know how to ask for help or how to lean on someone else and they don't want to feel like a burden. But that's what your friends and family are there for. They're there to lift you up. They're there to help you through the dark times and the bad days. And if they're not, then are they really your friend? Because friendship is a give and a take. Like you should be there for them when they need you and you should be there and they should be there for you when you need them. It can be hard to be the friend trying to support someone in their grief and there's no right way to do it. And I feel like we're always so scared of saying the wrong thing or showing up in the wrong way. But personally, I think showing up, period, is all you need to do. And that doesn't even necessarily have to be like you physically showing up to their house and like bringing them, I don't know, like a baked casserole like you always see in like movies and stuff. It could be as simple as like sending a text being like, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Remind them that they have you and that you love them and that you're there for them. And I promise you that'll be enough. And that means the world to them even if they can't express that in the moment when they look back and they're remembering that process that's going to mean the world thank you for listening to this episode i hope that you were able to take something from it even if it was just comfort in knowing that you're not alone if you're also grieving right now honestly it was just helping me to talk through some of these things because as i'm saying it it's also forcing me to remember them and to be gentle with myself and to recognize that it's okay to grieve and it's okay that i'm not okay and it's okay that i'm having some days where i'm okay and some days where i'm not thank you for listening and i will see you in the next episode okay bye thank you for listening to the shut the fork up podcast with your favorite host destiny murtaugh don't forget to rate and leave a review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and to follow your host on instagram tiktok and youtube at it's your dust do not forget to be a bad bitch and we'll see you again on thursday